The whole thing, whole 30 years. Oh, that's all up. Yeah, yeah. Go on, keep going, keep going. That's it. What's that? That's the tabernacle. Fine, good. It's there. Yeah. Okay. Um, Something's coming through, John. Yeah, it's all. It's working. Yeah. Oh! It's so weird. Oh, it's just like that. It's, it's, um, it might be the cable. That needs changing up. Like the weird patches. Someone's got it too black. What is done? Yeah. Uh, no, that'll be just in your mix. With, I could turn it down. Yeah, yeah. In the monitors, don't worry about there. Yeah. It, it's it's channel thirty one and thirty two, so we can alter. So you can turn it down, yeah. Right. Not seeing anything. Would you mind just going through the order, checking that it matches? Okay. Yeah. Sure. The order can't be. This is amazing, Grace. That's good. I'd like to not. Um. Somebody didn't read the no blacks in your uh, PowerPoint memory. Yep. <laughs> uh, I think it's oh. probably didn't get there. Nah, that'd be, that's John. It's not John. Words. Chris. Once I come straight to the zoom. Yeah. The team that do all that stuff. PRT. Coming through. So this is amazing, great. This is that one. Like, then we've got a hazel, quite size, quite size.
to those who believe in his name, to give the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling on us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of glory and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace, in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, and is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. This is God's word. By um, introducing you to somebody, and uh, there they are. Yes, there it is. Now, this is Buster. Now, Buster is uh, a boxer dog puppy uh, that belongs to my brother. Uh, so, my brother and his wife they got uh, Buster last weekend, and uh, they started sending out little WhatsApp messages around the family saying, Meet Buster. And, all the little pictures and the videos, and he is incredibly cute. And uh, through the week, you know, the little updates of the mischief he's getting into. And um, so we, we put a date uh, in a, a few weeks' time, and we'll be able to go up as a family and meet Buster because, well, like, the pictures are great, the little videos are that's sweet, and the updates are probably too many. But but but, but really, we, we want to meet Buster. No, we want to see the pictures. We don't want to hear about him, and we want to we want to encounter Buster for ourselves. Uh, do you know there's a leader in the Old Testament uh, called Moses? Maybe you've heard of Moses, uh, one of the most famous characters in the Old Testament, who led uh, the people of God Israel out of their slavery in Egypt, led them for forty years uh, towards the Promised Land. And there's a point in his life where Moses is is sort of feeling his inadequacy for the task and he's feeling his, his weakness and his vulnerability and, and he cries out to God he says God you, you must go with us your presence must come with us uh, and God promises he will and then Moses says these words he says now show me your glory now show me your glory so what, what Moses is asking for is if he's really to, to go on in faith, he's going to go on leading the people and, and following the leading of God. He wanted to meet God. He, he wanted an encounter with the glory of God if he was going to keep going. I wonder if you maybe have that similar feeling. Uh, maybe this morning, maybe at times in your life, maybe you are seeking uh, understanding of faith. Maybe you're exploring faith for yourself and, and you're thinking, if, if this is true, God, Jesus, if this is real, show me your glory. Or maybe you're in a season of, of, of real suffering and the difficulty and the pain uh, kind of lays you so low that, that there's a sense in which you kind of you cry out to God, say, God, show me your glory so I can keep going. 
Well, maybe you're just struggling. Maybe your spiritual life just feels flat. Maybe it's not that you feel sad, it's just you feel nothing. And it just feels very ordinary and very hard, and there's not much to sort of motivate or excite or inspire you. And maybe you have this sense of, Lord, show me your glory. If I'm going to keep going, if, if, if I can have this fresh energy and encouragement to, to live for you, full on, show me, show me your glory. And what we're going to see this morning as we look at this next little section of John's Gospel is this, uh, you can see the glory of God, but it's found often in surprising places. We've just started this series in John's Gospel. John uh, was one of Jesus' disciples and his closest friends, and he writes this account of Jesus' life. Uh, Graham helped us kick it off last week. We looked at just the first few verses, and we saw this, this amazing claim. In the beginning was the Word, that's Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And we're going to look at the next little bit of John's, really still his introduction to his gospel account of Jesus' life. And as we do that, we look at verses 6 to 18, and I've got three headings for us this morning. Uh, the first one is this, uh, step into the light. Step into the light. Uh, Graham helped us begin to think about this theme last week, as, uh, as Jesus described as the light and the life in verse 4, the light that shone in the darkness in verse 5. And then as we get into verse 6, we read about a man sent from God, his name was John, that's John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light. So that through him all might believe himself was not the light, he came only as a witness to the light, the true light. That gives light to everyone who was coming into the world, the true light. Remember last week we saw this, this idea of light, it kind of went right back to the very beginning of the Bible, the book of Genesis, the opening words of the Bible, in the beginning, so and how does John start his gospel? In the, in the beginning, and here is light. is this thing that gives, gives uh, life and illumination and revelation. The thing in the beginning has come, says John, it's come now in a person. The light has come. Now, this is... Uh, Admittedly, I could do the better lights. I could do like a some kind of floodlight or something. But um, here's, here's our light for the, for the morning. And uh, John says, the light has come. But, says John, when the light comes, there's a couple of different responses to it, isn't it? Do you see that as you look down in verse 10, we're told this. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Just a he came to that which was his own. In other words, his own people, that is, the people of his ancestry to Israel, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. John is saying, look, when Jesus came, when the light came, many people just would rather do that with it. Just, just block it out. They prefer the darkness. We're going to see that as we keep going through the story. They, they reject the light. They don't want to know about the light. That's what John says happens. But, goes on in verse 12, but all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will. 
the born of God, to those that, that would receive him, to those that would step into his light, they become children. And children, not just a sort of Jewish ancestry, Jewish descent, but, but children born out of the miraculous gift and grace of God. And so if you see what John is doing, is right at the very start of his gospel, he's saying, he's asking this question, what will you do with Jesus? Is this one of the things that keeps coming through the gospel again, 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 he's saying, as, as I tell you about this man, I want you to consider him. If you're looking into this, what will you do with, with this one who John says is the light? What will you do with him? If you've ever caught the train into London, I'm sure many of you have, and, and as you get on the train and you travel down, if you're sort of sat looking out to your left, uh, quite soon into your journey, as you go past uh, sort of near Antill, you see on the hill uh, sort of an old house. It's quite a grand looking house, but really there's just the ruins of it now. If you get close, this is what it looks like. This is, um, anyone know what this is? Yeah, very good. Yeah, Houghton House. Houghton House. And uh, you drive by on the road down to the seven train. And uh, do you know, every time I go past it, I, I have the same sort of reaction. I think, that looks interesting. I should probably go have a look sometime. And do you know what? I've lived in bed for 13 years. I've never been. Every time, that looks really interesting. And we've got windows. Yeah. Never been. John says, don't do that with Jesus. Don't just kind of don't just kind of drive by or, or fly by, look at it and go, oh that looks interesting, and then go. Forget about it. Until it kind of comes up again. But John's gospel is like his green cross cage. Remember the green cross cage, don't you? What is it? Stop. Look. Listen. Stop, look, listen. John wants us to consider the person of Jesus, the one who claims to be light and life. That's our first heading this morning. And the second one is this uh, pack up the tent. I'm going to explain this as we go. Pack up the tent. There's something else here about Jesus, which is quite an extraordinary claim. Now, um, I don't know about you, um, I don't really like camping. I don't like camping. I've got a theory that uh, if you like camping, you're lying. <laughs> My parents never took me camping because they love me. And, uh, I live in a house. It's a very nice house. It's got bricks. It's got a roof. It's got electricity. It's got hot running water. Uh, it's wonderful. So you say, would you like to spend your holiday sleeping on the ground? No. Uh, do you want to spend your holiday waking up freezing cold at 5 a.m.? No. Do I want to spend my holiday doing my toilet in the woods? No. No, I don't. The people say, don't they go, oh, it's a, it's a tradition in our family. Listen, it was a tradition in everyone's family until we invented houses <laughs> and figured out they were better. Well, Israel camped. The history of God's people, they camped. They spent 40 years camping. 40 years as they left Egypt, their slavery, they traveled to the promised land. 40 years they traveled and, and they set up camp and they packed down and they moved and they set and they packed down and on it went. And what was really significant as part of their camp was uh, this, this tent of meeting, this, this place where, where God was with them called uh, the tabernacle. Now, the boys and girls, just to help you, uh, now it doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't look anything like this, okay, but, but here's, a, here's a tent, okay, of sort of. Here's a tent of sorts. 
Uh, it's, it's really a beach tent. You probably wouldn't want to sleep in it, but um, but there you go. Here's a tent. Here's what the actual tabernacle looked like, which is probably more helpful to you. Um, it looks something like this. Now, why did they have this? Because what they were doing is as they're travelling, so God goes with them. God symbolically dwells in their presence in in the tabernacle. The tabernacle is tent of meeting. This is the place where where, where, where God is with them, and they would go there. The priests would, would bring their worship to God. They'd bring their sacrifices to God. And this is how their worship kind of worked for all these years until they got to the land, and then they built a, a temple because bricks are better than canvas. Now, why is it significant? Because look down at verse 14. Verse 14 has this thing. Now, boys and girls, I want to see this. Mums and dads are great. She can help uh, the little ones see this. I want to look at verse 14. Uh, read it along. It says, The Word became flesh. That's Jesus, the Son, took on flesh and made his dwelling. Circle the word dwelling. Now, some of you know this, but if you don't know this, you've got to see this. The word dwelling is a very specific word. It's quite an unusual word in the Greek language. And the word means tabernacled. It's this sense of, it's this, this allusion back to Israel's history. To, to this tent, this place where God dwelled with his people. It was called the tabernacle. The same Greek word is used here to say when Jesus came, he, he tabernacled. He, he pitched his tent. What is, what is John trying to get you and me to see? Here's what he wants you to see. Is that if you want to meet God, you no longer have to go to a place. You now come to a person. That's what John is saying. If you want to go and encounter God, you don't have to go to a place, you now come to a person. It's the difference, isn't it? Every other world religion and the claim of Christianity, every other world religion says you've got to go, you've got to do, you've got to obtain. Christianity says, no, no, he came, he did. So now you know we just receive as a gift. When I was a kid, um, before I came to my senses and the adventure, I supported Arsenal Football Club. And um, my pa- my grandparents had this, this lovely big house. We had a stairs village about sort of, I don't know, 25 miles south of here. And um, we go and visit them uh, through the year. And uh, one time I went to visit them, and my grandparents said to me, hey, that's exciting news. In the house next door to ours, we've just got some new neighbours. And they've moved in. They're called the Marwoods. Now, not many people know this, but Brian Marwood played for Arsenal. He signed for Arsenal from Sheffield Wednesday. He was an Arsenal footballer in sort of the late 80s, early 90s. And so my grandparents, they took me around to meet him. And we met him, and I was kind of, I was in awe, really, of him. And I took my little autograph book, and I said, could I have your autograph? And he said, I'll do better than that. And he took my book, and he took it into training next day, and he got all of the Arsenal players to sign it, and the next day he came back and he gave me this book. And in this book is, is all of these Arsenal legends, Tony Adams, David Seaman, Nigel Winterburn, Lee Dixon, Alan Smith, all these, David Rocastle, Michael Thomas, they're all, they're all in this book. That's amazing. You see, you see now I, I could have tried to go to the training grounds and I could have hung around outside and, and maybe a couple of players on their way out might have stopped to sign my book, but maybe not. You see, he did it. He got it and he brought it. See, religion says, go, do, obtain. John is saying, no, 
He came. He did. Now all United is receive the gift. That's our second heading. Here's our third and final heading uh, this morning. Behold the glory. Behold the glory. Look at verse 14 again. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us and we have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. In these last few verses, 14 to 18, there's some repeated words that John uses. He uses the word glory twice. He uses the word sort of full or fullness twice. And he uses the word grace four times. Let's think about those words, fullness. He's, he's, he's full. The fullness of the glory of God is in Jesus. He's full of grace and truth. I know you never want to you never want to see the river flood, do you? The river flooding is bad. But I wonder if you've ever seen the river. You know when it's, when it's really full, when it's close to bursting at its banks. I don't know about you, maybe I shouldn't like this, but, but, but I kind of like looking at it. There's a sort of a hypnotic power to the river, the, the speed at which it flows, the amount of water there, the power in it, this idea of fullness, this is what John's talking about. So you see the word, you see Jesus, there's a, a fullness, it's this hypnotic power of glory and of grace. And we're talking about the graces, he comes, he's full of grace and truth. And out of his fullness, verse 16, we've been in grace, in place of grace already given. There was grace in the Old Covenant, the Old System, the Old Testament. There was grace there, but, but now the fullness of that grace has come. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And so that's why John can say, isn't it, in verse 14, we have seen his glory. We have seen his glory. Remember Moses? Remember what Moses asked? And he said, show me your glory. Let me just read you a little bit from the Exodus 33. Moses says, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. But you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there's a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I'll put you in a cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I pass by. Then I'll remove my hand and you'll see my back. But my face must not be seen. You see, Moses, he, he says, well, show me your glory. God says, I'll make my goodness pass in front of you. But actually, you can't see the fullness of it, really. So this kind of this hiding in the rock and just the seeing the glimpse of the back of the glory. What an amazing thing John says here, right? What an amazing claim this is that we, verse 14, have seen his glory. We have seen the fullness of the glory of the almighty creator God in Jesus. Here's the more amazing thing. If you, you, know, you, you read on in your Bible, you see where the story goes, that the word who comes and dies, he rises again, he ascends into heaven, he pours out his spirit to be with us. So he says, I'll be with you always to the end of the age. I'll never leave you, I'll forsake you. The fullness of the glory which John talks about dwells in his church and in his people, the one through whom the world is made, one full of glory and grace is, is with us. We have met him. We have seen him. That's a, it's a mind-blowing thing. Isn't it? I, I don't know about you. I, I feel like I so quickly and easily I, I lose my sense of wonder at that. 
And this reminds us of wonder and the idea that the fullness of the glory of the Almighty God in Jesus, now by His Spirit, is with us here. And as we go into our week, the one through whom the world is made. Think, let's just think about this for a minute. Let's ponder this. You know, think about our world. Think about our universe. Our universe is made up of a hundred billion galaxies, and each galaxy is thought to have a hundred billion stars. <laughs> Think just our little galaxy, if you could travel at the speed of light, that's 186,000 miles per second, it would still take you 100,000 years to cross just our galaxy. Our nearest star, the sun, is 93 million miles away. It could hold a million Earths within it. John says, Jesus is the one through the world has been made. And he's also the one that has said, I am with you always to the end of the age. Think about the oceans. Do you know they reckon only 5 to 10% of the oceans have actually been mapped? We know more about outer space than we do at the deeps. The deepest point in the oceans is, is at the bottom of the Mariana Trench. It's 11 kilometres down. Can you imagine that? If you could swim straight down, and the pressure didn't kill you quickly, if you could swim and you swim for 10 kilometres straight down, you're still not at the bottom. Do you know the number of water molecules in 10 drops of water, you know, if you, if you get, get water in 10 drops of water, the number of water molecules, H2O molecules, in just 10 drops is more than the number of stars in the entirety of the universe. John says, Jesus is the one that made that. And Jesus said, and I'm the one that will never leave you nor forsake you. Think about yourself, you know, when you were born, you already had 200 billion neurons. If we could lay out all of your blood vessels end to end, we could wrap them around the earth four times. You know, information travels through your body, along your nerves at 300 miles per hour. The word is the one through whom all of it has been made. And he's the one that says, where two or three are gathered, there am I. Show me your glory. John says, we've seen it. And the Bible says, he is with us. Always. By his spirit. Do we lose our, do we lose our wonder at that? Do we, do we just, we, we kind of, we forget that? We get so caught up with just everything else that, that we forget or extraordinary think it is. To have a relationship with the Lord Jesus. To have his spirit of the one who is full of glory and grace. Living within us, there's nothing ordinary. Step up, it feels ordinary. Just you know, a bit of Bedford, community centre. Feels ordinary. But when we see what John is saying, so there's there's nothing ordinary about us here. There's nothing ordinary about you. There's there's no sort of situation which is too hard for him. There's nothing going on in your life which is too insignificant for him. If you're seeking him, there's no one too far from him. Show me your glory. Not everyone sees it. John tells us that. Not everyone received it. We need the eyes of faith. Don't we? We, need, we need to say, Lord, give us the eyes of faith afresh to see your glory and, and to wonder at the majesty of your presence and the Almighty with us, his people. I love the, um, the story in the Old Testament of uh, Elisha 
the king of Aram is after Elisha, and Elisha is, is going to hold up the little town called Dothan. And, Elisha, and the king of Aram sends all his army to surround the city. And a servant of Elisha goes out first thing in the morning, and he sees all these, these horses, this, this army, and he says, Elisha, what are we going to do? And Elisha prays, and he says, says the more, the, the, uh, they are more that are with us, then I went there, Lord, open his eyes, and then the servant's eyes are open, and he sees that the chariots of fire, the angel armies, all around him. He leaves. Do we need to recapture afresh? He said, God, open our eyes to behold the glory and all that it means for the fullness of that glory and grace to have come and to be with us now by the power of the Spirit. The missionary to Ireland, Patrick, you probably know better St. Patrick, um, prayed this prayer. And with this, I'll, uh, I'll close. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a prayer that, that we, would, we would have that sense of the glory of Jesus in our midst. And, and the prayer goes like this. Christ before me, Christ beside me, Christ behind me, Christ within me. Christ to comfort and restore me. Christ when I lie down. Christ when I get up. Christ, when I go out, his power to guide me, his might to hold me, his wisdom to teach me, him watching over me, his ear to hear me, his hand to guard me, his glory before me, now and evermore. Father God, Lord in heaven, would you open our eyes afresh to see the fullness of of your glory at work by the power of your spirit within us and among us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.